Hey, my name is Jason, and you're listening to the Embrace Church Podcast. God is doing some incredible things at each one of our locations in South Dakota and Minnesota. To learn more about Embrace and maybe plan your visit, head on over to imembrace.com. We hope today's message brings you hope, inspires you, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive in to today's message. Well, hey, everybody. I just want to welcome you here to Embrace today. I hope you're doing all right. hope it's been a great weekend so far. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here. just want to say welcome to all of our network churches, uh, network campuses. We're just excited, overjoyed that you decided to come and worship with us here today. Even if you're listening later in the week on iTunes, just want to say welcome to you. Today, we are starting up a brand new series talking about advice and good advice that is worth taking. Uh, but earlier this week, I took some time and I looked up up on Google, bad advice. I searched bad advice that people have received. I'm guessing all of us have been given some bad advice before, and it's like, I will never listen to that person ever again. But I went and searched bad advice online, and here is what I found. Uh, one person said, I put bacon on a pimple because my granny said it would go away. It grew. Who knew, right? Another person said, I got a bug in my ear. My dad said to put urine in my ear, and it would come out. Nope just an ear full of pee. He said, I did it wrong, of course. Another guy said, my dad told me when I started driving not to put my blinkers on because it was nobody's business of where I was going. You might just be a redneck, right? Okay. Uh, another person said when I was in the Boy Scouts, uh, we went camping and my scout leader said to just use some leaves to wipe. It was poison ivy. That would not be fun. That'd be advice that'd stick with you for a while. Uh, last person said, my dad told me not to worry about packing more underwear. Just turn the pair I'm wearing inside out once it's too dirty. That is just nasty. I love that most of the bad advice was from dads. Like, <laughs> maybe just never listen to your dad ever again. Just go to your mother. But just some bad advice, right? Like I said, though, today we're starting up a new series called Advice Worth Taking, looking at some practical things that we all wrestle with, all have to deal with on a regular basis, and looking at some advice from God. I mean, if we could get advice from God, we'd most likely want to listen, right? And it would be advice worth taking. Again, looking forward, we're going to be talking about practical things, like things like sex and dating, also things like alcohol, getting really practical, not saying no, 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 bad, 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 but instead getting some life-giving advice from God himself. But today, we are going to look at some advice that God has around sin, and sin is such a churchy word. I usually try and avoid churchy words if at all cost. And yet the world and people in general have some thoughts and advice when it comes to sin. You look at sin, oftentimes the world sees sin as a good thing. In the world's, in the world's eyes, often sin can equal freedom. Sin can equal doing what I want, when I want, how I want to do it. We literally in our, in our country have a city that we refer to as Sin City, Las Vegas, that people flock to. And what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? And if there's something really, really good like chocolate cake, we say that it is sinfully good. And so our world and culture will often use sin as a, as a good thing, but also on the flip side, that same culture will use it as a bad thing. Will you sin to condemn people? Will you sin to separate people? Again, will you will make it into this bad thing? Will you use it to separate? And oftentimes culture even kind of has a levels, different levels for sin. 
And if a sin is really, really bad, well, then we say that the person's gross and they're dirty and we, we separate ourselves from them. And so our world, including all of us, we have some thoughts and advice around sin. But again, what does God have to say? Now, if we don't know, sin can be defined a whole bunch of different ways. But just to keep it as simple as I can, sin is anything outside of what God wants. Sin is anything outside of God's plans. Sin is anything outside of God's ways. And so that's the definition of sin. But again, what is God's advice on sin? That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at two specific pieces of advice from God when it comes to sin. So here's the first piece of advice from God. Your sin is worse than you think it is. Again, when it comes to God's advice on sin, your sin and my sin is actually worse than we think it is. That's heavy, right? Oftentimes, even if we know something is sin or we know something is bad, we'll still kind of play around with it. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, it's not bad every so often just to kind of let your hair down. Like, if it doesn't hurt another person, what's the, what's the problem? Like, what could possibly go wrong with this one? God says, no, actually, it's actually worse than you think it is. It's actually worse than you think it is. At one point, Jesus was being asked some questions by a group of religious people, and one of them responded and said, you know, Jesus, I've never been a slave to anything or anyone. Well, listen to what Jesus says back. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. I almost hear Jesus saying, I just want to give you some advice. Let me tell you the truth. Your sin is worse than you think. I can almost hear Jesus saying what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. It stays in you and you become a slave to it. What happens in Vegas actually doesn't stay in Vegas. It stays inside of you. It stays in you. Like a slave with a master, it fully controls you. Like a slave with a master, it actually owns you. Like it can do anything it wants with you. like Like a slave with a master, it's the opposite of freedom. You have no control. Your sin is worse than you think it is. And where does it lead to? We're told that the wages, that the result of our sin is death, spiritual death. Not like a spiritual cold that you'll get over and just make sure you wash your hands and go to sleep early, but instead spiritual cancer. A cancer that tries to kill us from the inside out. With this, have you ever met someone who just kind of seems like the life inside of them is gone? Ever met a person that just seems like their soul is gone? That same person used to be so carefree and fun. Maybe you were even kind of secretly jealous of them because it just seemed like they had life by the tail, but after some time, it just seemed like life caught up with them. And the person that they once were, their soul inside of them is dead. Maybe know that feeling all too well because that person is us. You see, what I've found is that often sin, it starts with an action, And then if we're not extremely careful, we actually become that action. It starts with with an action, we lie. And if we're not extremely careful, at some point we become a liar. It starts with an action, we gossip. And it's so harmless, like what could possibly go wrong? And slowly we become a gossip. We we cheat on something and it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. We just kind of cut a corner here or there too. Then after a while, we become a cheater. We take a drink, we... We overspend, we, 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 we do whatever, and slowly, if we're not extremely careful, we become an addict. Our sin, your sin and my sin, is worse than we think it is. Thankfully, though, it's easy to avoid sin. 
I mean, you just don't go near it and you're fine. Like, it's actually a fairly easy thing to avoid sin or not so much. Listen to what Lord tells us early on in the book of Genesis. He says, sin is crouching at your door, ready to pounce. It's out to get you. It's not passive. It's not neutral. Instead, God's saying sin is actively waiting for us. It's actually looking for the opportunity to to, to pounce on us. And then look at what Peter says. Peter's one of the 12 disciples. He says this about it. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, it's one thing to compare, you know, Satan to a small cat. Cats are basically demons. And so, uh, just kidding. No hate mail, please. Send it to info at imembrace.com. If you just have some issues, I'll get it. Um, It's one thing to, to, to compare Satan to a nice cat. It's another thing to compare Satan to a lion. Picture that. If there was a lion outside your house, what would you do? You wouldn't go outside and play with it. You wouldn't go outside and try to pet the lion. Why, why wouldn't you do that? Because lions don't just bite, they actually eat you. Lions are actually killers. That's actually what they, what they do. And yet again, oftentimes when we approach sin, it's like, well, it's not that big of a deal. And like, you know, if no one gets hurt, like, what's the point? Like, it's okay to kind of let your hair down. Guys will be guys. Girls will be girls. Like, it's just kind of, it's not that big of a, big of a deal. And these are often some famous last words, aren't they? It wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, we just kind of started by flirting with each other at work, and we, we never thought we'd go any further until it actually happened. And it started with just gambling a little bit here and there, and then we just began to, to gamble our whole little bit of a, our entire paycheck here and there. We started gossiping, and we never thought it would cause so much damage and destruction to the people that we love the, the most. And I just started cutting corners at my, my job until I, I lost my job, and maybe that's some of our stories here today. There was this one action that started really small and innocent and it was actually really, really fun at first, but then slowly but surely it just began to take over our lives and then finally it just kind of took us out one more time. Your sin, my sin is worse than we think it is. It's not passive. It's actively looking for opportunities. The past couple of months I've been working on an old house next to ours um, and there's this small one-stall garage that was filled with, like, doors and wood and trim. And, and so I began to empty this thing out, just pulling old doors out, pulling old, old windows out. And uh, one of the days I got up on the ladder, the rafters were literally packed full of stuff, and I worried the garage was going to fall in. And so I'm pulling out doors, I'm pulling out windows, when all of a sudden I look back, and there's a random magazine or a newspaper thing, and I'm not sure what it is. And so I grab a piece of trim, and I stick it back there, and I'm just trying to hit this thing out. I'm like, just kind of annoyed. I just want to take these doors out. And as soon as I hit it, I kid you not, it's like I grabbed a stack full of loose paper and just tossed it in the garage. I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? Just hit it. Literally, paper is everywhere. I'm, what did I do? So I'm up on this ladder. I look down, and because the cover's heavier, uh, I, it's what I saw first. I look down, and the front cover says, 1983 porno. I'm like, porn is literally falling from the skies right now. <laughs> like, it's like raining porn. I'm like, what? you know those moments in life where you're like, how did I get here? I don't know. So I'm up on the ladder, and all I'm thinking is these ladies are now 
grandmothers. 1983 is a long time ago. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, it's pouring rain and pouring. All of a sudden, my, one of my kids, dad, where are you? I'm like, oh my God, Jesus, please. I like run down the ladder. I'm grabbing as much porn as I possibly can, shoving it into boxes. Now this might seem like a silly kind of an extreme example, and yet honestly, I don't really think it is. Sometimes it almost feels like sin is like falling from the sky. Like the opportunity to gossip, it's just like everywhere. And I try so hard not to gossip, but the opportunities are everywhere. The, the opportunity to do something really, really, really stupid just feels like it's everywhere. Opportunity to make a really poor choice, it just feels like it's everywhere. Opportunity to sin, it just feels like there's opportunities all around. And get this, sin is not only just around us, it's also inside of us. Like on our own without God, we crave sin. Without Jesus, we are drawn to sin. Without God, the classic hymn, prone to wander, God, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That day, just being totally candid, as I stood on my ladder before my kids screamed out, there was something inside me that wanted to look at the magazine. I'm standing up there, I'm like, I didn't even, what? How did I get here? And yet something inside me wanted to look. Thankfully, an angel, a.k.a. one of my loud kids, screamed. What did I do, honestly, once my kid left? I grabbed the magazine I walked down our street to another trash can and I put it in it. <laughs> the garbage man's going to get a surprise from 1983. But I put it in it because I had to get it completely away from me. Before going back to work in the garage, what did I do? I went into my house and randomly told my wife, like, hey, back. Found a porno from 1983, shoved it in somebody's, you know, their trash can. There's something inside me. We crave sin. We long for sin. We want it. One more last thing about sin, though, it separates us from God. It separates us from his peace. At first, there might be a quick high that when you sin, there might be this quick high and there's quick fun, but on the backside of it is total restlessness. That's because we're apart from God. Total emptiness. We're having so much fun and yet we're just at our lowest point possible. We feel so free and yet we feel like we're slaves. It separates us from God. One more time, your sin is worse. It's actually worse than you think it is. That's heavy, isn't it? All week I, I wanted to lessen the heaviness and make it sound nicer. No kidding, all week long I was looking for ways to to share this in a nicer way, but this is God's advice we're taking, not my advice. So I'm like, God, this is yours to share, not mine. And so unfortunately, your sin is worse than you think it is, but here's the, the second piece of advice, but God's grace is better than you can imagine. Your sin, it's actually worse than you think it is, but God's grace, it's actually better than you can comprehend. It's far greater than you can imagine. It's far beyond what you can take in and handle. It's far greater. What does that mean? It means there's nothing that God won't forgive us of. Nothing. There's nothing that God won't forgive. 
John, one of Jesus' best friends, tells us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. How much? All unrighteousness. There is nothing our God won't forgive if we confess our sin. If we, we acknowledge our need for God, there's, there's nothing. Just think about that for a second. Nothing you've said your entire life is unforgivable. Your darkest moment, your most disgusting place that you've been by choice, your most embarrassing decision that you're still trying to explain, the time you hurt the people that you love, supposedly you love the most. Maybe you have a family member that still won't speak to you. Your dad and your relationship still broken. There is nothing he won't forgive. His grace is better than you can imagine. Some of us today, I'm just guessing, we come in every single day, we wake up and we, we just grab this bag of shame, this bag of regret, this bag of crap, and we just haul it all around with us. Because we're convinced, like, yeah, I guess he forgives, like, clean Christians and he forgives, like, people who make some mistakes. But there's no way he'd forgive this. There's nothing he won't forgive. Nothing. His grace is better. What does that mean? It means that in our struggle, he still loves us. Paul says, I do the exact things that I don't want to do. I keep doing the same things I'm trying not to do. In our struggle, God still loves us. Get this, as we're making the mistake... As we're in the disgusting place, as we're making the embarrassing decision, God is looking at us and he's still for us. He still loves us as we're doing it. Still loves us. A few weeks ago, I was driving with one of my kids and he's just a perfectionist. He absolutely hates making mistakes. Just hates looking like a fool in any way. And he had something exciting happen, and so he shared the news with me, and I, I told him, that's awesome. I just really felt led to tell them, though. I just, I just said, hey, buddy, that's so awesome. But I just want you to know, after your worst moment, I'll still love you. After your greatest failure, after your embarrassing decision, people walk out on you. Your dad will still be by your side. I'll still be crazy about you. On an infinitely greater scale, in our struggle, God still loves us. His grace, I don't know if I can say it enough, his grace is better. It's better than we can imagine. What does that mean? It means the battle's been won. Your sin is worse than you think, but Jesus has conquered all of it. At the cross, he took all of our guilt, all of our shame, all of the weight, all of the crap, all of the crud, and he nailed it to a cross. He's conquered sin. He's conquered death. The battle has been won. Yes, on this side of eternity, we'll continue to battle. We'll continue to fight, but we fight knowing the victory is his. He's conquered it. He's already won the game. He's already defeated death. He's already won, and in the battle, our God is fighting for us. We're not fighting alone. Again, his grace is better. It's better than we can imagine. 
Okay, so what do we do to, with this? What do we do with this? So Peter one time preached, and he actually preached almost the exact same message I just shared with all of you. And near the end, listen to what, listen to what Peter said. Peter said, change your life. Turn to God and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so your sins are forgiven. Our sin is, is worse than we think it is. His grace is better than we can imagine. If, if we know that to be true, if we just feel it like, yes, I, I don't know all the Bible answers, but I just know those two things. Yes, I know that for absolute certainty. What are we supposed to do? Peter just says, turn to God. You've maybe heard the word repent before, which is a big, scary word just for meaning turn. It's like a 180 degree, degrees change. It's like I was, I was going this way and I was following myself and I was on this path and now I'm turning and I'm following you, Jesus. I'm not following myself anymore. I'm not just gonna kind of add Jesus and turn a little bit. No, it's a total turn. Like you are now in control. You are now my Lord. You are now my, my master. I'm following you. I'm turning to you. Today, if we're here today across campuses, network churches, and we've never made this decision, I can't think of a better day to turn. This morning, the first thing I prayed is if any person who hears this, even later this week hears this, they feel a pull that they would, would follow through. They wouldn't convince themselves that this is crazy, I'm not really sure, maybe some other day. Instead, it's like right now, Jesus, I'm committing to you. Right now, I'm turning my life. Right now, I'm asking for forgiveness. I want a fresh start. Right now, God, I realize my sin is worse than I, than I thought it was, but thankfully, your grace is greater, and so I want more of that. Today, if that's you, just, just turn. We're gonna pray here in a second, but just, just turn. I even just picture someone who, at one of the network churches that's been attending the same church for a long, long time. You were baptized as an infant in that church. You grew up in that church, confirmed, but you just know that you've never turned. You've done church really well, but you've never turned. If that's you today, I pray that would be your day. You just say, decide, God, Jesus, I need you. I'm turning. I'm done with this. I'm turning to you. Even the other night, we got together with friends and we randomly started talking about just our brokenness and sin. And one of, the, one of the people just said, I'm so tired of my sin. Just my crap. I, just, I was like, I feel the exact same way. I'm just sick of my sin. Turn today. So Peter says, turn. And then what does he say? He says, be baptized. And if there was ever a great picture of what baptism is, it's the two pieces of advice today. Your sin is worse than you think it is, but God's grace is better. That's what baptism is. Baptism is this perfect picture. When we stand up in the water and we first get in, it symbolizes our old self, our life of sin, the person we don't want to be anymore. And when we go down in the water, it symbolizes our death. Our sin is so bad, it deserves death. It's putting to death our old ways. Death our old, of our old crap. Just, just dying to ourself. But thankfully there's good news because Jesus in our death, in our grave, he reaches down and he pulls us out and he gives us a new life. And the water running over us symbolizes being clean, being washed, being made new. The sin is just gone. It's washed away.
at all of our camps is we're going to be doing some baptisms, and, and, and baptism is just that. Again, that picture, our sin is worse, but his grace is better. If you feel led at all, I, I just cannot encourage you today to, to consider being baptized. I'm going to pray here, though, first. If you want to make a commitment to Christ, what I said earlier, if you're just like, no, I need that today. I want that to, to, to be, I, today I want to be my day. Uh, today I want a fresh start. I want a new beginning. I'm gonna pray here, but before I do, I just wanna say, let somebody know if you're praying this. Tell one person out in our entryways, we got connection cards, fill it out and say, I've made a decision for Christ. We wanna come alongside you, but let's pray. Gracious Father, Heavenly King, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for who you are. God, we're, we're even thankful that today because you love us so much, you highlight our sin. You highlight our brokenness. You highlight our need for you. And then in contrast, you highlight your grace and your love and your mercy and your faithfulness and your gentleness to us. We're so thankful you meet us right where we are. God, for those of us who are, who are, who are wanting to make this commitment, just repeat after me, Jesus, I need you. I surrender my life to you. Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you make me a new creation? Would you set my feet on a new path? Would you change the direction of where I go from this day forward, from this moment forward? Would you give me the courage to tell one other person that I've made this commitment? Jesus, you are my Lord, and Jesus, you are my Savior. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message moved you in any way, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to never miss your dose of encouragement. You can also follow us on social media with the handle at I am Embrace. Again, we are thrilled you took the time to join us today. And if you live anywhere near one of our locations in South Dakota and Minnesota, we would love to have you join us in person. You can find out more and start a conversation at imembrace.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.